0: This evening's scripture is taken from Deuteronomy, chapter 4, verse 2. Deuteronomy, chapter 4, verse 2. You shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall you diminish aught from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. Good evening and welcome again to our worship. We're grateful for your presence and to those who are visiting, as always, we Appreciate your willingness to come and be a part of our services. As always, we encourage you to come back. If you are in the process of looking for a church home, we invite you to consider the work here at Olive Branch. It would be a joy for us to have you work and worship with us and help us to expand the borders of the kingdom in this community. Tonight, I want us to look at a couple of passages of scripture in the Old Testament, and I'm going to invite you to turn with me, first of all, to the 17th chapter of the book of Deuteronomy. We're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 17, and then we're going to look at 1 Kings chapter 10. And the theme of our study tonight when God says do, you, you better. And when God says don't, you better not. Very simplistic. But I want us to think for just a few moments about what is recorded for us in these passages of Scripture. Let me begin by stating that when Paul wrote to the saints in Rome, he said, Whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. There are some great lessons for us to learn in the Old Testament. It is unfortunate that many times we fail to study and to meditate upon the great truths that have been recorded in the Old Testament itself. And so tonight I want us to think about a very practical lesson that is found in Deuteronomy 17 and 1 Kings chapter 10. Again, the theme, when God says do, you better. When God says don't, you better not. In Deuteronomy chapter 17, we have divine instructions regarding the duty of the king. Now, you recall in 1 Samuel chapter 8, God's people demanded a king. And so God consented to the demands of his people, though uh, their decision, their desire for a king was unfounded. Nonetheless, they wanted a king, and so God gave them a king. And we read about in First Samuel, in chapter 8, God's decision to give them a king. And this thing displeased Samuel the prophet greatly. The first king in the history of the Israelite people was a man by the name of Saul. Now in chapter 17, God is going to set forth some divine instructions regarding the duties of the king. Note, if you would, his commands, and first of all, we want to think about some things that God says, do not do. Note, if you would, well, let's just pick up in verse 14. When you come to the land which the Lord your God is giving you, and possess it, and dwell in it, and say, I will set a king over me like the nations that are around me, you shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses. One from among your own brethren, you shall set as king over you. You may not set a foreigner over you who is not your brother. Now, verse 16. First of all, here's the command. They were not to multiply horses, but he shall not multiply horses for himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt, to multiply horses. For the Lord has said to you, you shall not return that way again. All right, number two. They were not to multiply wives. Note if you would what is said in verse 17. Neither shall you multiply wives for yourselves or the king shall not multiply wives for himself lest his heart turn away. Now thirdly, here is the command. They were not to multiply silver and gold. Verse 17, nor shall he greatly multiply silver and gold for himself. So here God in his wisdom sets forth three prohibitions to the nation of Israel. Number one, they were not to multiply horses. Number two, they were not to multiply wives. Number three, they were not to multiply silver and gold. Now here's what the king is commanded to do. First of all, you have those things that they're not to do, but now here we have some things that the king is to do. Well, what are those things? Picking up in verse 18. And it shall be when he sits on the throne of his kingdom that he shall write for himself a copy of this law in a book from the one before the priest, the Levites. Number one, they were to record the law. That was the divine stipulation set forth by Jehovah God. When you set a king over you, you are to record the law of God. Number two, Note, if you would, verse 19. And it shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life. So, number two, not only was he to record the law, but God said, I want you to read the law. But we're not finished. Number three. Note, if you would, continuing in verse 19, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God and be careful to observe all the words of this law and these statutes, that his heart may not be lifted above his brethren, that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left, that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. So what was the third statement that the Lord said to the king? Well, they were to respect or reverence the law of God. So you have Some things that they were not to do, and then some things that they were to do. The king was to record the law, he was to read the law, and he was to respect or reverence the law. No doubt there was wisdom in these commands given by Jehovah God, penned by the hand of Moses. But now I want you to turn over to 1 Kings chapter 10 because first of all we think about the duty of the king but what we're going to see is that during the days of the united kingdom and you're not going to get far in the history of the israelite people before you read of the delinquency of the king now here we're talking about solomon first we think about the king that god set over the united kingdom saul Saul was later removed, you recall, in 1 Samuel chapter 15, he disobeyed the will of God, and thus God removed him as a king. He rebelled, he disobeyed the voice of Jehovah God. Saul was succeeded by David, the king, a man after God's own heart. And then David yielded the throne to Solomon, so we think about Solomon. Now in chapter 10 we read of the queen of Sheba who heard the fame of Solomon. And the Bible says that she had the opportunity to visit with Solomon. And here's what is said in verse 7. Your wisdom and prosperity exceed the fame which I heard. Solomon was a great man in many respects. God had requested, or rather God had honored the request of Solomon for wisdom, and Solomon had been blessed immeasurably. But note, if you would, what is said in chapters 10 and 11 concerning some decisions made by Solomon. The delinquency of the king. First of all, I would submit unto you that Solomon was careless. He was careless, and because he was careless, he was disobedient. Note, if you would, what is said in verse 26. And Solomon gathered chariots and horsemen. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horsemen, whom he stationed in the chariot cities and with the king in Jerusalem. The king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stones. He made cedars as abundant as the sycamores which are in the lowland. And then the Bible says in verse 28 that Solomon had horses imported from Egypt. Now let's just pause there for a moment. What was it that God had said in the long ago? God had said unto the Israelite people, and primarily to the one who would occupy the throne, you are not to multiply horses. You are not to multiply silver and gold. And yet, Solomon did exactly that. He failed to be instructed by the word of the Lord. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 2, the passage that Matt read just a moment ago. God said through Moses, you shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall you take anything from it that you may keep the commandments which I command you. According to the precepts of God, they were not to add to nor take from the commands of Jehovah God. What did Solomon do? Well, he failed to respect the word of God. But then also we think about what God said through Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 6. God had said, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. These words which I commend you this day shall be in your heart. Furthermore, he said, you shall teach them diligently to your children. Solomon failed to be instructed by the word of the Lord. Lesson number one, as you and I think about application to our own lives as we live in the 21st century, we must not refuse to listen to the word of God. In other words, don't refuse to listen to the word of God. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13 verse 9, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Sometimes we might ask the question, Are we listening to what God in his word has said? Solomon was a wise man. I think Solomon was a very intelligent man. And yet he refused to listen to the word of the Lord. Number two. Don't refuse to learn the word of God. What was it God said concerning the king who would occupy the throne over the United Kingdom? He said, I want you to take the law. That is the law of Moses. I want you to record this law. And then I want you to read this law. And then I want you to respect or reverence this law. What happened to Solomon? Apparently, there was a breakdown somewhere. Is it the case that he refused to listen to the Word of God? Is it possible that he refused to learn the Word of God? Here was a man that was supposed to be familiar with what God had said. The psalmist of old in Psalm 1 verse 2 said that he meditated on the law of Jehovah day and night. In Psalm one nineteen ninety seven, he said, It is my meditation all the day. Unfortunately, Solomon refused to listen to the word. He refused to learn the word. But then thirdly, I think another appropriate lesson for us, don't refuse to live the word. You see, one of the things that that hindered Solomon, he forgot to put the word of God into practice. It may be that we view the word of God in vague and abstract terms. It might be the case that we fail to incorporate it into our lives, to internalize it. The word of God is not going to do us any good if we fail to make it a part of our being. This word, that is God's word, needs to literally saturate our lives. When Jesus was tempted by the devil in Matthew chapter 4, each and every time he responded by saying, it is written. Jesus had taken the word of God to heart. Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word which proceeds out of the mouth of God. How often are you feeding on the word of God? Solomon refused to be instructed by the word of God. And I think the lessons for us. Don't refuse to listen to the word. Don't refuse to learn the word. Don't refuse to live the word. When Paul wrote to Timothy in 1st Timothy chapter 4 verse 12. He said let no man despise your youth. But be an example to the believers in word. In conduct. In spirit. In faith. In love. In purity show the world what it means to be a new testament christian are you letting your light shine before others when people see you do they see a new testament christian do your words and deeds harmonize with the teaching of the bible i said just a moment ago that one of the problems in the life of solomon was he was careless he was disobedient And that was reflected in his deeds. Let me give you another example of what Solomon did. Violating the command of Jehovah God. Drop down to chapter 11 now. Now remember God had said you're not to what? You're not to multiply horses. You're not to multiply silver and gold. You're not to multiply wives. Chapter 11 verse 1. But... That ought to get our attention right there. Here's what God said, but this is what Solomon did. But King Solomon loved many foreign women, as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites, from the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, "'You shall not intermarry with them.'" Nor are they with you, for surely they will turn away your hearts after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love. Note, if you would, verse 3. He had 700 wives, 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. Solomon forged inexcusable relations with unholy women that brought about idolatrous practices in his life. There is something to be said for the wisdom of God. We may not necessarily understand every command that is given unto us in the Bible, but you can be sure about one thing. When God says to do something or when God says do not do something, there is divine wisdom behind that. The question is, do we believe in the wisdom of God? Well, what about his unholy alliances? Look now at verse 4. For it was so when Solomon was old that his, wife, that his wives turned his heart after other gods. And his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father David. For Solomon went after Ashtaroth, which was a pagan god or goddess of war, love, and fertility, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not fully follow the Lord as did his father David. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh the abomination of Moab. And the Bible says, on the hill east of Jerusalem and for Molech, the abomination of the people of Ammon. And he did likewise for all his foreign wives who burned incense and sacrifice to their gods. Now you can go back to Deuteronomy chapter 7 and you can read where God said that the children of Israel were not to intermarry Now here's a lesson for us, lesson number two. You and I, we need to remember that unhealthy associations lead to unholy activities. I would remind all of us, you cannot run with the devil and his people and not live like the devil and his people. If you want to live and associate with the devil's people, then that's what you're going to be like. On the other hand, if you choose to associate and fellowship with God's people, then you're going to be like God and his people. You can either ascend to a higher plane in this life, or you can descend to the muck and the mire of sin and unrighteousness. The choice is ours. Solomon made some unhealthy choices. His unholy alliances led to unholy and ungodly activities. What's the application for us? You and I as God's people, we need to be very, very careful about the kind of friends that we cultivate, cultivate. I think about the importance of young people choosing to associate with godly people. Solomon said in Proverbs chapter 12 that the wise choose their friends carefully. The Bible also says that a companion of fools will be destroyed. The kind of friends that you associate with will ultimately be reflected in your life. The way they talk, the way they act, the places that they frequent, those things will be reflected in your life. Let me just pause here and make this observation. Those of you who are young and thinking about one day having a family of your own, I encourage you, marry a Christian. Now, I know that there are a lot of people that will say, well, I married a non-Christian. I had the opportunity to teach them the Bible and I converted them. That's a great success story. And there are some positive stories along those lines. But let me tell you, there are any number of people that have made unwise choices in their mate. They have chosen to marry a non-Christian. And that non-Christian did not support them one bit in their service to God. As a matter of fact, there have been any number of people that have that have married non-christians and today they're in denominations. Today they're unfaithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about the kind of people that you want to associate with. By all means marry a Christian. Somebody might say, "Well, he or she is a good person." That may be that may be the case. They may be a good person. They might be a good neighbor. But you need to choose a mate that's going to help you get to heaven. Let me tell you, if you miss heaven, you've missed it all in this life. You may have everything that this world has to offer, but if you miss heaven, you've missed it all. That's why you need to think about marrying a Christian. I want somebody that's going to be supportive of what I'm trying to do. I want somebody that's going to be cooperative in terms of what I'm trying to do. I want somebody that's going to try to help me be steadfast and immovable in the kingdom of God. Same thing goes true with regard to my friends. I need to make sure that I choose the right kind of friends. Now, if you choose the right kind of friends and, the, and if, if your family is a family that is built on the Lord, then you're going to have the right kind of activities in your life. If you choose unholy friends, and if your family members are not holy, you're going to face some terrible problems in this life. I can assure you of that. You're going to face an uphill battle. Now you may think as a young person that you can work around it. But just think about, in our society today, one out of two marriages end in divorce. One out of two. The devil is doing everything he can to destroy homes across our country. He's doing a good job of it. And make no mistake about it, he's destroying homes in the church of Christ. Many marriages have failed. You're going to need all the help you can get, and the help comes from the Bible. Jesus said, What God has joined together, let not man put asunder. You need a mate that's going to honor and respect the commands of God. Now, if you do that, you're going to have a fun life, you're going to have an enjoyable life. Now, I said that Solomon was careless, and he was. He was disobedient, reflected in his deeds. But I want you to think now about the consequences. You see, for every action, there is a corresponding reaction. How do I know that? Well, let's just look at verse 9 now. In verse 9, here's what God said The Bible says the Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned from the Lord God of Israel. Who had appeared to him twice had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods, but he did not keep what the Lord had commanded. Therefore, the Lord said to Solomon, Because you have done this and have not kept my covenant, my statutes, which I commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to your servant. Nevertheless, I will not do it in your days for the sake of your father David, but I will tear it out of the hand of your son. However, I will not tear away the whole kingdom. But I will give one tribe to your son for the sake of my servant David and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. Right here you have the seeds of the division of the kingdom of God. After Solomon, Rehoboam and Jeroboam came on the scene. And what happened? The kingdom divided. And because the kingdom divided, You had Jeroboam in the north and Rehoboam in the south. Jeroboam set up golden calves, one in Dan and the other in Bethel. Solomon brought upon himself, and not just himself, but upon the Israelite nation, grave and devastating consequences. Now you might have the opinion that whatever you do is not going to affect the the life or lives of other people but that's not necessarily the case you see Solomon made poor choices and his choices impacted a nation of people the choices that you make in this life they're going to have an effect upon your life yes but they're also going to impact the lives of other people whether they be friends or family members or whomever Here's what Paul said in Galatians chapter 6. And you can mark it down because it is as true as truth can be. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. In the natural realm, you can sow seed. When you put that seed in the ground, guess what? It's going to yield a crop. Well, when you sow A life. When you sow seed in this lifetime, you're going to ultimately reap a harvest, either good or bad, either righteous or unrighteous. Consequences. For every action, there's a corresponding reaction. The laws of physics. And so Solomon said, be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. He that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. The choices that you make today will ultimately come home to roost one day. Some great lessons in the Old Testament. Solomon made some poor decisions and because of that his because of his poor decisions God's people faced some very very difficult days they suffered the consequences of his poor example and his poor decisions my encouragement to you, when God says to do something, do it. When God says do not do something, then do not do it. You will pay a terrible price. That's why it's so important for us to believe this book, to honor this book, to reference this book. Now here's my question to you. Are you honoring the word of God? I said just a moment ago, instructions given to the king, record the law, read the law, respect the law. Instructions that are timely for us today. You want to be successful in this life, whether it be with your friends or with your family members or whatever. Make sure this book is your guiding light. Make sure that this book is your compass. I promise you this book will lead you safely from planet earth to heaven. But if you ignore this book, if you disobey the contents in this book, you will suffer untold heartache and misery. And that's true for young and old alike. So when God says do something, do it. When God says don't do something, you better not do it. Jesus said it this way, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. John in the Revelation said in chapter 22, verse 14, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and enter through the gates into the city. What about you? Are you honoring the word of God? Have you obeyed the gospel? If not, could we encourage you to do that this very hour? Why put off what you know you need to do? We know that God loves us. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, what did God say? God said, Except you repent, you'll all likewise perish. That means... God said you need to repent. The Bible says God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 2 Peter 3, 9. God said, that is God's son said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Now, here's my question to you. If you've not obeyed the gospel, then why? God said do it. If God said to do it, then what would hinder you from doing it? God said, be faithful till death. Revelation 2 at verse 10. Are you faithful? Are you walking in harmony with the teaching of our Lord? If you're not, then here's the question. God said, be faithful. Why not? Why aren't you being faithful? Our plea tonight would be, come home. God is interested in the salvation of your immortal soul. God wants you to be saved. If you haven't obeyed the gospel, tonight would be the night to do that. If you're unfaithful to the cause of Christ, then tonight would be the night to be restored back to fellowship with God. John said, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Would you come as we stand and sing?